it's time for another episode of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes. Here's your host, Terrence McCauley. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes, right here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. My guest today is Glenn Cooper. He is an internationally best-selling thriller writer, and his latest novel, The Lost Pope, is available from Grand Central Publishing. Thank you for being here, Glenn. Thanks for taking the time. Great to be here, Terrence. Thanks. No, no problem at all. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your latest thriller, The Lost Pope? So this is the the, the sixth book in um, a series focusing on a protagonist, Cal Donovan, uh, who's mm -hmm. a uh, professor uh, at the Harvard Divinity School, an expert on uh, the history of uh, of the church in uh, in Europe, uh, and he's someone who uh, has befriended uh, a succession of of popes and has become to be known as the the Pope Whisperer, uh, a uh, a friend, a confidant, someone outside the normal Vatican chain who popes can go to for for handling sensitive items and nothing can be more sensitive than than the current uh, mystery uh, because the discovery of a lost female pope in the um, in the early history of Christianity uh, threatens to blow up traditional Vatican doctrine uh, and the, the book starts with a fragment of a, a first century papyrus uh, found in an Egyptian funeral mask in, in Cairo, and that leads uh, Cal uh, on a quest to, to find the lost Pope and get the church on the right side of history. Right. Uh, but uh, powerful forces don't want the discovery to come out and will do anything to stop him succeeding. Wow, Bill, that sounds like the, the basis for a riveting thriller. Now, you said that you've mentioned, you've written about your protagonist in other works, the one who appears here in The Lost Pope. Cal Donovan. I was yeah. Cal Donovan, yeah. I was wondering, uh, how does he grow from the uh, first book in which he appears all the way up until now? That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a super interesting, interesting question. Um, uh, in some ways, uh, you know, he's like, most of my protagonists, and, and this was my 19th uh, uh, thriller, uh, most of my protagonists, especially the ones in the in the series, um, uh, uh, tend to be complicated um, men with with checkered pasts who have to mm -hmm. fight internal demons as they fight real demons. Uh, and uh, and Cal is the longest series that I've that I've done. Other ones have only been three three books trilogies, pretty much. Mm -hmm. So he's had a chance to have a real a real emotional personality arc and he if anything has has uh, gotten he's a he's a grown man but he's gotten more mature in a lot of a lot of ways he he gets right. his bad practices his addictions under relative control as he falls in love with an unattainable woman who happens to be a nun oh uh, okay and uh, and this kind of over the series of a, of a few books these are standalone books you don't have to there's no sequence involved. You can dip in any 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 time, but if you right. do follow uh, this sequentially, he does uh, evolve, and uh, this uh, this impossible um, 
love and longing that he has uh, impacts uh, the way he sees the world. Right. Well, that's uh, and it sounds like it's all of your books tend to have a all thrillers in this particular series tend to have a, uh, some anchor in uh, religion or religion adjacent topics. Religion, philosophy, the interface between science and and religion. These are all topics that that interest me a lot. Come out of you know some of the some of my own background um, and studies. Uh, so um, I've become sort of um, super interested in, in the Vatican and the history of the Vatican because mm -hmm. it's it's a really opaque uh, organization uh, that um, that's hard to figure out even if you're a part of it. You know, if you, even if you're a cog in that usual in that huge wheel, uh, and it's perfect fodder uh, for um, to spin out great, great stories. So for example, Cal uh, in the first book in the series helps the then Pope uh, solve a very thorny problem. And uh, as thanks, he's granted something that no one outside the Vatican has, which is unlimited browsing rights to the Vatican secret archives and the Vatican library. <laughs> uh, and, and that is great fodder for, for storylines. Yes, yeah, I could imagine that it would be because that's the thing about uh, the Vatican. They feel that uh, you can't understand what you don't know. And exactly. that's why they enjoy their secrets because they don't want anyone to truly understand everything that goes on. I Sometimes I wonder if even the Pope knows what's going on. Oh, uh, history, history, history shows that, that, that the Pope, in fact, is kept in the dark repeatedly on, uh, on, on, on key uh, practices and... Uh, uh, and, and and currents within within the church. Yeah. Now, for as part of your research, uh, especially with anything that's about something people don't necessarily understand or see everything about, like the Vatican or let's say the JFK assassination or something along those lines, um, have you gotten a lot of your audience giving you ideas about different books that you ought to write about or topics you want to write about going on in the series. I get Because there's a lot of our chair, there's a lot of armchair readers out there who are armchair detectives too. I get pitched all the time, uh, especially for my Italian readers. <laughs> Strangely, I'm an American, uh, American writer. I live in America, but uh, most of my books are sold in Europe. And my, you know, my largest mm. markets are uh, Italy, Spain, and and France. Wow, uh, beautiful places to go. Great places to go. Great places to do research. Great places to uh, to to uh, learn about architecture and and food and culture. Uh, so I get pitched, especially from Italians. Please write about my city. Here's a mystery that that exists and. Uh, in Naples or uh, mm -hmm. or Turin or whatever, you should really you should really think about doing that. Uh, and uh, you know, I get ideas all all the time. Some of them pretty pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you get a lot of people who spend an awful lot of time looking at the uh, rarity of um, and and the minutia of elements that people have missed. Exactly. Um, you know, and uh, I, I'm wondering over the course of the books that you've done for this series. Do you envision it continuing to evolve into, you know, another, um, what other topics in this arena do you think that you're looking to address? So, so what I do, I'll, I'll write one or two books in the series, and then I'll, I'll do like a, a palate cleanser, 
and, right. and do a completely different different book. Yeah. So uh, I've just done two Cal Donovan books in a row. There's a a seventh that that will will come out next year, I guess. Uh, and uh, I'm now I'm planning something completely different in the interim uh, and uh, and sort of uh, outlining the next Cal Donovan book ap- after that that I think that I think is going to deal with um, a really interesting topic, spiritualism and the, okay. and the afterlife. Uh, spiritualism was a, uh, a super popular movement in the late 19th, early 20th century. The leading mm-hmm. proponent of it was Arthur Conan Doyle, uh, who yep. was, you know, the Sherlock Holmes author. Uh, and, uh, you know, seances and, and communicating with, with um, uh, lost, uh, lost loved ones was a really big deal, like a big industry uh, with a lot of fraudsters and potentially some real um, mediums, you know? Right. Uh, so I think that's ripe for, for ex- exploration. Right. Yeah. Especially because it already has a foundation in history and then, you know, everything old eventually becomes new again. And uh, I would imagine that something set in the modern day would also be able to. Uh, well, and, sell and, well, and what I what I do is I would say 80 percent of my books, 90 percent of my books, uh, I interlace um, historical periods with the modern. So there's a there's a historical backstory playing into whatever the modern uh, the modern mystery is, so you can um, you can get the perspective of of multiple periods of, of of time. Right. Yeah, and that's that's good for the reader, and also it helps you from from a structural perspective. It allows you to break up a lot of your expositionary sentences and yes, sections. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so you don't have it in one big block, and because uh, I've seen that happen too in thrillers where you see the author has done quite a bit of research and they just put a couple of quotes around it and bang, stick it right in the middle of the page. That, that is, that's really interesting comment. In, <clears throat> in, in the, in my, my first book, my breakthrough novel, uh, library, library of the dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I, uh, when I landed an agent and it's, it's a great story about how difficult it was for me to get a literary agent, uh, you know, back, back when I started. Uh, but I finally found a guy and he got, he saw, I want to read the manuscript, but I had done just what you said. I had kind of lumped, uh, you know, modern chunk, ancient chunk, modern chunk. Right. He said, he said, boy, you lose the thread uh, of what, of what the modern story is. So, you know, you need to really be shuffling the deck. Uh, and that's what I did. And, and that book went on to sell 4 million copies. So that was pretty Pretty good advice. Yeah, pretty good advice at that. Yeah, I think that the last one who was able to get away with that was probably Dan Brown, because he was the first in a long time to have come along and do that. But then I think, um, as which is a good sign for books, I think the reader's palette became a little bit more sophisticated, and they were expecting something to be, information to be relayed, but in a more uh, easier to digest manner. And, yeah, he, uh, it sounds he, like you got good he, advice. He kicked, up, he kicked off the genre, no, no question about it. Right, yeah, and that's you know that's fine, and, and a lot of his stuff is, is great, but you know every book can use a little bit of tweaking here and there, and um, I enjoyed those books, and of course, and as you can attest to, they kicked off an entire genre that's uh, that's been entertaining people for a lot of years. Um, but like Dan Brown, I would imagine that you've had to do an incredible amount of research 
for each book that you're writing. Um, how do you approach the research? When do you know it's too? Uh, when you when do you know enough is enough? And uh, how rigid do you stick to the outline that you create after you do your research? So I'm a I'm a huge researcher and huge huge outliner both. Um, so I'll a book starts with an idea and and mm -hmm. for me, um, uh, especially in non-series books, it starts with a concept. Kind of just a, a vision or a, or a, or a cool thought. Uh, build a story around that slowly, and then slot the protagonist into it. Right. Mm -hmm. Just often the other ask backwards to the way some other writers do it. Uh, very very protagonist based. Uh, but when I know what that something seems interesting, it kind of sticks. The spaghetti sticks to the wall for for a while. Mm -hmm. um, I'll start. I'll start the research, and that means, um, you know, the Amazon guy is coming to the door every every, every couple of days, you know, with <laughs> with, a, with, a, with a box of, with a box of books. So I will, um, uh, you know, in all days I have to go to the library. Now I now I, I sit at home, uh, but <laughs> I will probably read anywhere from twenty to thirty books uh, as background. Okay. Uh, and primary sources, uh, a lot of internet stuff. Uh, then I'll rigidly outline every chapter, but leave the outline, leave the chapter outlines loose enough that right. I can innovate on the on the on the spot. But okay. if you don't know in this in these kind of complicated thrillers, if you don't know where it's going to end, then you really get get lost. So the ending for me is almost the, is, as important to me as the. Uh, as the beginning to start off a book. Yeah, it's funny that as I've been doing this podcast and, you know, I, I always cringe at the question of is someone a pantser or a plotter? Yeah. I think that everybody, if you're going to write a book, everybody is at their heart a plotter. It's just whether or not you commit to doing the outline and, and writing it down or putting it on the computer and sticking rigidly to it. Or if you're like me, you just keep it in the back of your mind um and let the story flow that way but for uh, such a detailed and, and historic um and material-based work like yours you have to have an outline otherwise you could get lost in the weeds and not even realize it until it's you're, you're 500 pages in too late and waste and waste, waste a year of your life uh right doing, which is which is not not nothing i only wrote one book without an outline um uh, and it was done i did it purpose purposefully it was uh, a book about uh, a pandemic, which I wrote before the, the pandemic, uh, and it was uh, a basically a medical thriller, medical sociological thriller called right. The Cure. And I wanted the protagonist uh, to be discovering things as I discovered them, and I wanted the situations to happen as as they happened, kind of spontaneously. Mm -hmm. And uh, it it wound up working to a to a, I think a good conclusion but I didn't know it until I was there so it was kind of a sigh of relief when when I got to the end point right yeah and I think a lot of people who are thinking about becoming writers always say well I don't know what the ending is or I do know what the ending is but when I was writing it it changed just because you have an outline doesn't mean you necessarily have to stick to every single part of it Absolutely. the story evolves in our own mind yeah yeah it shouldn't be stale I mean it's not going to cost you anything if you do outline. It's just you have to be open to the fact that the story can take on a life of its own and 
go in a different direction. Yeah. It sounds like you're a, a writer also. Yeah, yeah, I've got, um, I've written thrillers, uh, crime novels, and believe it or not, westerns. Uh, so I've got about 30 of them under my own name and other names too. So it's been, uh, it's been quite a journey for me to uh, be able to touch all those different genres. So I've, like you, I've also done the mixture. I've done an outline, um, especially for my historical stuff set in 1930s New York. You can, I, I, that's why I appreciate your Vatican-based thrillers because you can definitely get so lost in the, the panorama of, of a rich history like the Vatican or 1920s, 1930s New York City that you lose literally the, the plot. And um, you have so to you really know, be careful not to do that. So you know the pleasure of, uh, of doing research yep. and you know the pleasure of, of really working hard to get things right. People may right. not, people may not um, know you're getting it right, but I think that readers, even if they're not immersed in a certain period themselves have a sense of authenticity. They can tell when yes. they're getting real stuff. They can, yeah, and it's funny too because the people who go on my website or, or hear me speak know that I'm no Westerner, um, unless you count growing up in the uh, Northwest Bronx uh, being a Westerner, but uh, and, and, and most people don't. But it's funny how people will be okay with a, a character that changes. They'll be okay with even in Westerns a, a plot point that might not be closed. But the second you get a term wrong, like about a saddle or a gun, um, especially the guns, uh, you lose people. And that's because they feel like, well, maybe you're not being authentic enough. Maybe you haven't put your time in. Maybe you're just taking one of your crime stories, sticking them on a horse and a, and a cowboy hat and uh, some sagebrush and uh, you didn't put your time in. So it's funny how different audiences of different genres react to detail differently. Yeah, West Bronx. Uh, I uh, I was uh, born and grew up uh, off the Grand Concourse. Oh, me too. I was born on uh, I was born in Union Hospital off the Grand Concourse, and Fordham Road, and then I grew up on Bainbridge and Bedford Park, uh, right near Marshallu Parkway. Okay, okay, and I was uh, you know up on uh, Walton Avenue. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. No, that was uh, that was me. Yeah, I was, uh, and then I went to Fordham. University and before that I went to Florida prep so I walked to school my whole life I was already lucky so uh that's great we both, both lost our accents I know right yeah it's definitely uh when you open your mouth people can pretty much tell where you're from so it's uh you know and then you know me writing about westerns and then you're writing about the Vatican people say oh I, I didn't think that somebody would write that stuff like uh, where, where we started but it was a it was a good uh proving ground for a lot of creative people, the Bronx was. Good, Bronx, Bronx boys making good. Yep, exactly right. And uh, so I know you said that you're, you, you've you already done two more books in this uh, series. One, one um, more, yeah, one more. One more, one yeah. more, okay. So you've already done uh, one more book in this series. What do you envision for yourself next in, uh, in your career? I know you mentioned a palate cleanser as well. So um, I, uh, you know, my first my first book, my first trilogy was about fate and and, and predestination. Uh, the Library of the Dead Dead series, Library of the Dead, Book of Souls, Keepers of the Library were the were, were the three. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I kind of feeling it's time to get back into that subject matter because it's it's 
really resonates. People uh, have tremendous amount of personal curiosity about how much of my fate is laid out for me. Um, uh, you know, if I if I hadn't, uh, you know, look for my for my car keys uh, for five minutes, um, uh, would I have gotten into that accident? You know, two hours later. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, versus, uh, you know, free will. Uh, how right. much of it is determined by what what we do, or is it some mixture? Because uh, a lot of religions have different different views on the nuances of of that of that subject matter. So the next right. book I think uh, is is going to be a play on um, on those on those themes from a different perspective, uh, rooted I think uh, in uh, uh, in ancient Greece and mm -hmm. uh, Greek mythology. So wow. that's what I'm noodling around with now. Right, right, exactly right. Well, that sounds like you've got an awful lot going on and you've got a lot of very interesting things coming up. And I was wondering how can the audience continue to follow you either on social media or on your website? So what's yeah, the best I, way to keep in touch? GlennCooperBooks.com um, is my website. Uh, all the all the usual socials, um, easy easy to find. I uh, I love communicating with mm -hmm. my readers. Uh, I will try to answer uh, the same day, maybe the same hour, uh, if uh, if if I if I can. Um, right. Keeps keeps me juiced up to to hear about things positive and and negative and. Uh, uh, and to and to get all the um, inaccuracies and typos so I can correct them going forward. Right. There's always some kind of uh, research that goes into every novel, but especially when you're doing something historically intensive, um, hearing from people that have read your work is always a good thing because it, it definitely does help break it up a bit and re-energize you into the research, doesn't it? Bingo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. Well, Glenn, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. I know my audience really appreciated it. And uh, we will uh, hopefully be able to talk to you again when your next books come out. See you down the road, Terrace. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening to another edition of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes right here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. We'll see you next time, everybody. Take care. You have been listening to Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes with host Terence McCauley on Authors on the Air Global Radio Network.